Welcome to Whip Beyond Measure. My name's Katrina Mayer. I'm Elle Kammerer. And we are a Jane Austen podcast. Because why the hell not? And today we're discussing chapters 25 through 33 of Pride and Prejudice. And specifically today, we're going to look at affection lost and affection gained because there's a lot of crazy love triangle things going on, I feel like. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of heartbreak, a lot of flirting, lots of flirting. There's always so much flirting. Let me put it this way. Lizzie doesn't quite get it, <laughs> <laughs> which is really interesting. But there is also a lot of heartbreak in one sense and then also just like amicable heartbreak i guess is yeah. That how you put it? yeah yeah like there's some sense of strong maturity happening here which we'll talk about i'll share my reasons for why i think that when we get there i agree with you and i guess i didn't think about it that way when i was reading it but now that you say that yeah there's a maturity there but then later on there's a bit of naivete yeah which isn't necessarily immaturity right but yeah well i believe this week you are up for the uh super duper quick recap i am up for the super duper quick recap which is crazy to do because this was actually kind of a lot yes there was a lot to read in terms of pages there's a lot to read in terms of pages Mm -hmm. however a lot of it was exposition right lots of movement lots of letters lots of thinking Mm -hmm. lots of description Mm -hmm. so all right so here we go it's christmas at the bennett's and the gardeners come for a visit they are i believe the cheap side relations that the bingleys refer to in our earlier chapters they live in london so mr gardener is a Um, He has his business there, and they live kind of near it, which isn't super-duper fashionable, I guess, because that's what the Bingleys say. But the gardeners, both Mr. and Mrs., are incredibly kind. They're incredibly intelligent. They, They get it. They're awesome. So don't judge them. How dare you, Miss Bingley? Rude. Charlotte and Mr. Collins get married, and then... Charlotte goes off to live with Mr. Collins, so, but we'll see you later, Char, don't worry. Jane gets to go to London with the gardeners, and Lizzie gets a warning from her aunt not to get too attached to Wickham, because Mrs. Gardner, in her youth, had spent some time in Derbyshire, and she knows some things, but not a lot of things, but she knows some things, and she's like, just be careful with Wickham, there's like some stuff there that You might not want to be connected with him. Also, there's like a money thing, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, so Jane goes to London and she really sees for the first time that Miss Bingley doesn't really want to be her friend and she's super disappointed. But now that I'm thinking about this, I think there is more to Miss Bingley's coldness than we see here. And we especially start to realize that at the end of this section that we read today. Lizzie loses her favor in Wickham, and I ain't saying he a gold digger, but wait, yes I am, because he falls for this woman, Miss King, and her 10,000 pounds. So like, Wickham, that's kind of shady. But Lizzie is super chill about it, and even Wickham is like, cool, thanks for being chill. Random. 
Um, Lizzie goes to Hunsford to visit Charlotte and Mr. Collins with Sir Lucas and Mariah Lucas, who is Charlotte Lucas's younger sister, but she's Charlotte Collins now, so Charlotte Collins' younger sister. Before they get there, though, they stop at the Gardeners in London to see Jane, who seems well enough despite knowing that she will be forever detached from Mr. Bingley, based on how Miss Bingley is treating her. And even though she seems well enough, she is clearly heartbroken as her aunt reports this to Lizzie. But maybe also she's missing Miss Bingley too. I don't know. Lizzie gets to the Collinses, finally. Mr. Collins is the same as he always is. Charlotte seems happy and content, and she has her own ways of dealing with her husband, which, let's face it, we all do anyone with a husband, am I right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They dine at Rosings. The men are all flattery and admiration toward Lady Catherine. Mariah is clearly in way over her head. She is just like, I'm not going to speak because I don't even know what to say. And Lizzie is just like, meh. <laughs> uh, surprise, after this, around Easter, Darcy and his cousin, Colonel Fitzwilliam, come to stay at Rosings. Fitzwilliam is super nice. And he's like kind of into Lizzie. And like, Lizzie like kind of maybe senses this? No, she does. She senses this. Um, Darcy is... Darcy. Um, he comes to call on Lizzie, like, on his own accord, which Lizzie's, like, random, but okay. And you know what? Well, maybe I'm going to talk to Darcy a bit and kind of flirt with him and tease him some more. Darcy is also kind of low-key stalking Lizzie as she's walking around, like, the Parsonage Park. He just is always seeming to pop up out of nowhere, despite her changing up her route. Finally, we end with Colonel Fitzwilliam tells Lizzie about Darcy's shady treatment of Jane in a way that he doesn't know who are the two people involved, but Lizzie figures it out. And we'll talk about that in detail. But basically what Fitz says, Darcy is actually the reason for Bingley and Jane not being together. Not Miss Bingley. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and that's the rundown. Yeah, that's that was pretty that was pretty much it. Yeah. So again, like lots of chapters, mm-hmm. lots of pages. Mm-hmm. Lots of time has passed too. Yeah, yeah. I think um Christmas to Easter at the very least. Yes, for sure. So and it's actually a few weeks after Easter. Now here's the thing with Easter though, is that while we all like to kind of get the idea of, oh, well, Easter is in March. For all we know, Easter was in April that year because Easter doesn't have a definite date. Yeah. <laughs> so it could have been even longer. But either way, it's spring. Mm-hmm. So we went from Christmas to spring. Mm-hmm. And in that time, lots of affection and love was transferred between various parties. And that's what we're going to get into today. So we're going to start off with Bingley and Jane because chronologically in this section that's what happens first (laughs) so i decided to start with it (laughs) yeah it works out yeah so yeah no bingley and jane it's it's not gonna happen at this point no there's been letters between jane and miss bingley Mm -hmm. and things seem to be cordial 
Last time we left off with Lizzie and Jane talking about how Lizzie thinks that it's Miss Bingley's fault and she's the reason why um, Bingley is no longer at ne- Netherfield because Miss Bingley wants Miss Darcy to be her sister. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so then there's like Jane is very sad and we see that and we see it through Lizzie's point of view. And then, of course, when Mr. and Mrs. Gardner comes in. The entire situation is also recounted again because they weren't around and Mrs. Bennett needs to be like, oh my gosh, listen to my woes. <laughs> so to almost how I almost had two daughters married and now none of them are married. And on top of that, Charlotte Lucas is going to take my house because she mentions that too. She does. I just want to point out, she definitely mentions that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Ugh, get over yourself. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so Bingley and Jane, the affection, love, definitely lost there. And yeah, you're exactly right. We're assuming, because we're kind of getting this a bit through Lizzie's point of view, is that it was Miss Bingley's fault. She's trying to keep them away because Jane just isn't good enough for her brother. And we really know this after Jane has gone to London with the gardeners. And Mm -hmm. she tries to call on Miss Bingley, like, she sent a letter saying she was coming and then didn't hear a response, so she's like, whatever, I'm just going to go to her house. Yeah, because, well, so the tradition back then was that um, women of society would set aside certain hours of the day where they were home, Mm -hmm. and people who were under them in status, I believe, could then call upon them. So essentially, you would just go to their house, and you would have tea, about 30-ish minutes, It wasn't always that you were accepted right away. Sometimes you just had to leave a card or something like that. But yeah, so that's essentially what Jane and Miss Gardner do to Miss Bingley. Yeah. During Miss Bingley's open call hours. Yeah. uh, They go there, they sit, they talk. They're there about 30 minutes, maybe a little longer because there is that familiarity between Miss Bingley and Jane. And then according to the societal norms, Miss Bingley is then semi-required to then call on Jane but not just because they're friends like that that should have been like an automatic kind of situation is that oh they're friends they're acquaintances so Miss Bingley should definitely call on Jane but also like per the norms Bingley should call on Jane but Miss Bingley I should Mm -hmm. emphasize Miss Bingley Mr. Bingley not so much um so what ends up happening is that Jane is like sitting at home during those call hours for like days and days and days and days. And I think they specifically say two weeks. Yeah. Or something a like fortnight. that. Fortnight. Yeah, it was a fortnight. Of not hearing from Miss Bingley. Yeah, no note, no card. No response to her letter that she was coming into London. Yes. Well, so Jane thinks that the letter was misplaced. Right. Which it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. The way Miss Bingley greets her is like, why didn't you tell me you were here? So it's like, yeah, maybe it was lost. And and just the fact that between there was a fortnight between when Jane called on Miss Bingley and when Miss Bingley called on Jane. That's like really pushing it. Yeah. Like, and then even then, Miss Bingley comes to Jane during those open call hours and she only stays for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Which again is a snub. Societal norms say that you should be there for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And 10 minutes, it's too short. (laughs) Yeah. And it's certainly not Jane's fault that she's there that short. Mm -hmm. Like, Miss Bingley, you know, and her sister, Mrs. Hurst, well, they're going to go shopping. And maybe they were going to go shopping and they were already on their way out. Or maybe they just wanted to get rid of Jane. Who knows? 
Oh, right. That's why. So Jane and Miss Gardner were definitely there, I feel like, the appropriate amount of time. But then they were kind of shooed away. Yeah. But Miss Bingley had no reason to not stay the amount of time at Jane's place. At oh, Miss yeah. Gardner's place with Jane. Yeah, there was no reason for that. Well, the reason probably is because, you know, she wouldn't go there anyway. That's not. Right. she. Miss Bingley is a part of society circles that would not go to where Miss Gardner lives. They don't operate in the same circles. They are a different rank and class of people. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, she really doesn't want to be there. But there may be more reasons for that than what we're getting at this point. Right. But even so, so let's say, let's say Miss Bingley wasn't pushing Jane away. Mm -hmm. Let's say that she wanted to keep this acquaintance, which we do find out, especially through Jane, that Jane is like, no, she doesn't want to keep this acquaintance. Like, I'm, I am letting this acquaintance go. I no longer want to be her friend. But let's pretend for a moment that that didn't happen. And Jane was like, Oh, no, I'm still good friends with Miss Bingley. Miss Bingley should still have been at Jane's place. She still should have called on her sooner and still should have been there for the appropriate amount of time. Yes. Even if it is in a lower area. Exactly. (laughs) Because it's not like it's, from what I understand, it's not like it's the slums. No. Like, yeah, it's just a, it's the lower end of the higher class. It's like the (laughs) business district. Essentially. Because Mr. Gardner still has quite a bit of money because he's the one that got all of Mrs. Bennett's family's money. Mm Mm-hmm. So he he's not he's not lacking money. He has more, I think I think he has more money than Mr. Bennett. I'm not 100% sure of that, but yeah, given on where they live and how the circles that they do run in, I would agree with that. Oh, and they're able to travel. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They're they're doing that summer travel. It's actually brought up later in these chapters about the ability to afford to go someplace. Mm-hmm. Even as even as short a distance as 50 miles, mm-hmm. we find out is something that's easier done if you have more money, which makes sense. And the gardeners later on in the book, and this is brought up in the chapters we read because Mr. and Mrs. Gardner invite Lizzie to go with them. Mm-hmm. They're going to just travel around the country. Yeah. And it's just going to be the three of them. Yeah. It's a road trip. Yeah. So not only do they have the money to be able to move and, and not move, but travel and, like, have their, like, carriage and stuff. But they also have the money to have somebody take care of their kids. Yeah. Because they have a bunch of kids. They have a mess of kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I guess makes sense because not only is Mr. Gardner so, like, sweet and nice, but he has a younger wife mm-hmm. who's really cool. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to have a bunch of kids because, you know. Yeah. So the Gardners <laughs> are Lizzie and her sister's, like, cool aunt and uncle. Oh, yeah. They're the cool aunt and uncle. They live in the yeah. city. They have, you know, all of these like means and yeah, they know, they know stuff. They let the, they let them come and hang out and just like chill in London and stuff like that or go on vacation with them. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So as, actually, as we're talking about this, I'm realizing it makes sense to kind of segue into really quick Jane and Miss Bingley and the affection that's lost there. So we talked about Mm -hmm. it from Miss Bingley's side, like there's clearly no love for Jane anymore for whatever reason that we will get into later. But even Jane loses her affection for Miss Bingley. And it's not in like a way where she's angry and she's like, oh, she's not my friend anymore. I'm done with her. I write her off. Jane is feeling this as heartbreak too. I think it's just as sad for her to lose Mr. Bingley as it is to lose Miss Bingley. Well, and I also think... Jane is coming to the realization that Lizzie was right. Oh, yeah. Well, she says it. Yeah, that like, she she doesn't want to be like, oh, yeah, Lizzie, you're right. But I can see why you were thinking the way that you were thinking. It is very clear that Jane is 
sad that she has lost this connection. And I, I, I kind of also start to wonder too, if it isn't because it's kind of the last nail in the coffin for the possibility of Jane being with Mr. Bingley. But I also wonder if it isn't just because Jane doesn't have that many friends Mm -hmm. and she definitely doesn't have any connections into society, which is where she kind of wants to be. And in all honesty, she should be based off of her personality and everything like that. So at the end of this, who else does Jane have other than Lizzie? Right. Now that she has lost Miss Bingley. So. All right. Well, now let's move on to Wickham and Lizzie. So we find out right at the beginning when Mr. and Mrs. Gardner come to visit that Miss Gardner is aware of Wickham. Because when the Gardners are in town for Christmas, Mrs. Bennett has a bunch of people over, including officers. Um, and that includes Mr. Wickham, because Mr. Wickham is buddy-buddy with Lizzie. And there was that whole thing with Mr. Bennett being like, oh, well, if somebody's going to, you know, jilt you. Yes. If somebody's going to jilt Lizzie, it better be Mr. Wickham. Right. Again, he will probably rue the day he says that. But um, so like Mr. Wickham is very much a part of this party and this this group that comes to the house regularly. And while Mrs. Gardner doesn't necessarily disapprove of him like she finds him nice she finds him welcoming she finds him handsome which obviously means that he is of a very high quality standard because he's handsome because that's how this works apparently please see a previous episode for more stuff about that Uh (laughs) (laughs) yes so while she thinks highly of him based off of her interactions she also knows of him from before Mm -hmm. before she was mrs gardner before she got married she lived in the same area as both Wickham and Mr. Darcy. Now, they didn't necessarily hang out in the same circles, from what I understand, especially not Mrs. Gardner and Mr. Darcy. They definitely wouldn't have been hanging out. Mm -hmm. But Mr. Wickham, on the other hand, I couldn't tell if, like, Mrs. Gardner knew of him specifically or just knew of the people that he hung out with. She knew that Wickham and Darcy were childhood friends. And Mm -hmm. to me, it felt more like... Miss Gardner's caution for Lizzie was more about Mr. Wickham potentially being of a higher station. That, to me, seemed the warning. Because she did mention something about money. And then later, when Lizzie tells Miss Gardner that, oh, it's not going to work out with Wickham, he went for this girl with more money, they had that conversation where you were telling me, Aunt, at one point, we might not be good together because of that money thing, but now we know that Wickham doesn't really have money and he's picking a girl who does. So it's like kind of a double standard. I don't know. See, I read it as, so it says right here to Mrs. Gardner, Wickham had one means of affording pleasure unconnected with his general powers, which makes me think that it was less that Mrs. Gardner thought he was of a higher status and more of her kind of hinting at the fact that he would spend his money in dubious ways so maybe gambling debts or stuff like that so like that makes because and again this is just me coming back from like the movies and reading it previously i think he does have gambling debts or something like that Yeah. yeah so i kind of wonder if maybe that's kind of what she was hinting at is that she kind of knows that that's where he would spend his time so even if he was of a higher standard it was it's not a good thing that he's spending this time with these kind of underground betting people kind of situation or he's in debt to other people like that's not good even if he is of a higher status so that's kind of where i was thinking was that like 
Mrs. Gardner was kind of warning Lizzie to be like, look, he has this problem with money and it's not that he doesn't have any. It's that he doesn't spend it well. So like when I knew him, I knew that he would spend the money he had in dubious ways. And I think that that kind of gets with the whole idea of like the people he hung out with, because I think that she does specifically mention while she knew them when they were younger, it seems that she did still know them or know of the people that the, that uh, Mr. Wickham hung out with as a young adult. So it wasn't so much that like she was a little kid or they were little kids and he was like doing something weird on the playground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's they were definitely adults. Got so. it. That makes yeah. more sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then Miss Gardner also mentions that she has seen Pemberley and while she doesn't know Mr. Darcy specifically, she has heard that Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy formerly spoken of as a very proud and ill-natured boy. Mm -hmm. So like she's essentially confirming what Lizzie already suspects. Yeah, so she has heard the rumors about Mr. Darcy, though she doesn't have any connection to him personally. And I don't think... It kind of sounds like she's never even, like, been formally introduced to him. So she wouldn't have no impression of him. Yeah. Personally, like, one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So Mrs. Gardner warns Lizzie of Mr. Wickham and is like, look, like, I don't think that, based off of this, I don't think he spends his money well. And then when Lizzie comes to London and explains to Mrs. Gardner, oh, yeah, no, you don't have to worry about Wickham anymore. He's not interested in me and you know i'm kind of cool with that he's he's got this affections for miss king mm-hmm. who she recently inherited about ten thousand pounds mm-hmm. from her father grandfather, grandfather one of the t- grandfather. grandfather who passed away and mr wickham has been hanging out with her lately and it's no big deal like i get it you know she this this woman has money and he doesn't have any money because of danged mr darcy he's the reason this poor man is so poor <laughs> so of course he's gonna hang out with miss king it's no big deal really no big deal and miss garner's like uh no <laughs> that's kind of a big deal yeah that's that's real shady like yeah. you shouldn't be hanging out with somebody just because they have money yeah what does that say about his affections towards you that he was only looking to get your money and we know you don't have that much money now that she said that right but still it's like it's it's another indication that like lizzie just isn't getting it mm-hmm. she's this is one of those naivete things where it's yeah. like she's going to be very judgy of Mr. Darcy and what happens with him and Mr. Wickham. But this very clear, shady thing that Mr. Wickham is doing to her specifically, mm-hmm. she's just kind of brushing off like, ah, yeah, no, boys will be boys. Yeah, she is blinded by that because of how attracted she is to him. Mm-hmm. Well, I just find it really interesting that like Lizzie like I said, is still holding what Mr. Wickham says about Darcy against Darcy. So that whole thing with Mr. Wickham, she's still holding that against Mr. Darcy, even though multiple people have told her, oh, that's probably not what actually happens. You know, you should only take that at face value. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you don't really know both sides of the story or anything like that. But she's very much like, no, Mr. Darcy did Mr. Wickham wrong. And then Mr. Wickham very clearly does her wrong. And she's just like, eh, it's fine. But she doesn't ever question. She doesn't take what Mr. Wickham has, is doing to her and then realize, oh, maybe I should be questioning these these definite thoughts I have about Mr. Darcy. She, it, it doesn't come about. She doesn't look at what Wickham is doing and go, oh, he's hurting me. Or, oh, this is weird. Maybe what he was saying about Mr. Darcy was too... 
Maybe it was too harsh. Maybe I should get a different point of view. Maybe I should think about what Bingley said. Yeah. You know, somebody I do I did trust. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. She doesn't lose any trust for Mr. Wickham while she has completely lost trust for Bingley and Darcy. Mm-hmm. And Miss Gardner's just like, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> essentially. She doesn't yeah. really say that, but yes, essentially she's like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Glad you listened to me. Thanks for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Also, why why are you not feeling like this like this is a bad thing? Why are you like not heartbroken? Why do you not see that this is shady as fuck? Yeah. Alright, let's jump to Charlotte and Mr. Collins who get married. Yeah, they get married at the beginning and then we get to see them in their lovely little home. Because they get married about Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then we don't see them until right before Easter. Yep. Ish. So in March. Yep. So yeah. They seem great. Yeah. To everyone. Everyone's very pleased. Uh, Mr. Collins is talking a whole bunch just because he's like an overexcited puppy. He can't help it. He's like, let me show you my garden. Let me show you rosings. Let me show you my house. Let me repeat all the things my wife is saying as well. I wonder how much of it is also that it's he finally gets to show his like in-laws. Mm-hmm. And Lizzie. Yes, yes. So that is actually pointed out specifically that like, it's very clear that when they're walking through the house and the gardens and they're showing everything that Mr. Collins is like saying these things specifically to Lizzie to be like, ah, see, you could have had this. This could have been your life. And now you have nothing and nobody's interested in you. Ha 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 ha. And Lizzie's just like, eh. Yeah. Whatevs. Unimpressed. <laughs> everything is just so not impressive. Well, and even if it is impressive, it would be like, yeah, impressive stuff or having to live with you. (laughs) Right. I think I would rather have nothing than live with him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a lot of people would. Yeah. And I think she actually says that or something similar to that later on in the book. Possibly to Mr. Darcy. Yes, she does say that to Darcy. Mr. Darcy says, Mr. Collins appears very fortunate in his choice of wife. And Lizzie responds with, Charlotte is one of the very few sensible women who would have accepted him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That's true. And she mm-hmm. is, she's, you know what, even, I know, like, at the beginning, in, like, early episodes, you know, we were saying how Charlotte gave such great advice, but maybe her how she acted is questionable, but I mm-hmm. retract that 100% now because she gives great advice and she is 100% sensible with how she should live her life. Oh, this I agree. Yeah, she, she's she did all she did the right things. I will argue that how she went about it was kind of dubious because it yeah. it is kind of breaking girl code still. A little, like, yeah, a little bit there. But I I don't think that her going about doing this was really like a bad thing like it was very clearly good for her in many ways Mm -hmm. but i still think that she was a little shady like oh hey well it's like hitting on your it's like hitting on your best friend's ex but i mean lizzie was really pushing mr collins on her what did lizzie expect i i'm lizzie lizzie was not 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 at fault lizzie was at fault (laughs) they were both acting in ways 
that, you know, maybe they just want to communicate it a little bit better. Maybe if Lizzie would have been like, here's Charlotte, here's my gross cousin. Can you please distract him from me? I don't want anything to do with him. And then maybe Charlotte can be like, okay, if you don't want anything to do with him, do you mind if I like pursue this? And then they could have had a conversation about it. And Lizzie probably would have been like, don't do that. He's the worst. But. Okay. Wow. Communication. And lack of communication is literally the theme of the book. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But back to Charlotte doing really well for herself. Yeah, girl's got a she shed. She has a room off to the side where she can just go in and sit and chill. And Mr. Collins isn't likely to come hang out. And yeah, it's small. So like Lizzie is kind of like, why are we in here? It's me. It's you. It's your sister. We're hanging out. But then she realizes Mm -hmm. if we were to hang out in the parlor or the dining room or something, Mr. Collins would definitely be like in and out of here all the time because it's easy. There's easy access to it. Exactly. I doubt that. I wonder if, like, the, those other rooms don't have, like, doors <laughs> or have multiple doors right. or are, like, close to his office. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds like that room that Lizzie is considering for her is right off of where Mr. Collins has his little library area. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he could probably just call in and be like, oh, Mrs. Collins, Lady Catherine is going by. Oh, Miss Dittberg is outside. And... Now he has to like get up and walk all the way to the back of the house when he wants to tell her something. So like, yeah, infrequent visits. Yeah. And as a married woman, (laughs) I know that like the one thing you need because like I'm just gonna throw this out there a little bit of personal information. I've been with my husband for 10 years, Mm -hmm. just at our 10 year anniversary. We've been married for three of those years. But We've lived together for so long and it's like very much I need my own space (laughs) to go and get away. So like if somebody were to ask me for marital advice, I would be like, girl, you need a she shed. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a shed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be outside, but you need your own she shed. He needs a man cave, whatever that may be. And you need a she shed. (laughs) Everybody needs their own space. Yeah. When they're in a relationship. And I just love the fact that she sheds have been a thing since the 1700s 1800s 1700s (laughs) yes yeah she shed i just want to just keep saying the word she shed you're very good (laughs) at saying it i can't say it (laughs) uh i also love how charlotte like always encourages mr collins to be out in the garden so mr collins is like showing off his garden how great it is and charlotte's like yeah i tell him to come out here a lot wink (laughs) like good for you charlotte Mm -hmm. oh and that charlotte has been getting a lot of exercise by just going out and walking around yeah so that's another way that she's just like oh you're getting on one of your rants oh mr collins i'm gonna go for a walkabout i'll see you later Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get some exercise you should go work on your sermons (laughs) uh she's got it all figured out i was slightly concerned about like well if she is aromantic or asexual there's that expectation and maybe she'll start to feel uncomfortable and like she'll start to maybe resent the fact that she is married even Mm -hmm. though that was like like we said before that was very clearly an object she needed to get and not just because of societal norms but that's just kind of how she was raised she had to get married Mm -hmm. 
And she didn't care who it was. But would she start to resent that? Like, oh, I got this object and now I hate it because I have this guy here and he's annoying and he's making me, you know, like he wants to consummate the marriage all the time and stuff like that, you know. But it's very clear that she is putting things in place that will help her not resent the fact that she's married, Mm -hmm. you know. So like she's able to separate herself and that that is clearly working for her. And while it's only been a few months, she's, yeah, she's got it down. Yeah. I'm proud of Charlotte. I am too. I'm so proud of her. I hope that, I hope for her that her life continues to be as happy and content as it is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Char Collins, things are cool. And mm-hmm. Lizzie is seeing this and now Lizzie gets to kind of experience, because she's there with them, what it's like to be at Rosine's. Mm-hmm. And really quick before we get into who the two... Well, one gentleman she meets at Rosine's and the other she already knows. I just want to point out something super fast. And that's the first time they dine at Rosine's, which is essentially like a few days after they arrive. Mm -hmm. Lady Catherine is really bombarding Lizzie with questions about her life, her sisters, her mother, her family, her education, all of this stuff. What? All your sisters are out? That's crazy. You're not married yet. That's bonkers. That's not how we do things. So she's like, Bombarding her with these questions, Lizzie is answering them. They get on the topic of, you know, education and accomplishments and how, you know, young ladies need a governess to, like, teach them things and how how can't you not have one? And all of Lizzie's responses are just hilarious. And I had to write, <laughs> Mr. Bennett is coming out because everything she says to her is a total vexation. <laughs> and Lady Catherine is like, what a strange creature you are. No one has ever talked to me like this before. I literally wrote the exact same thing in one section. I'm like, oh, this is a little bit of Mr. Bennett coming out here. Did he like just take leave? Like he couldn't stand Lydia and Kitty and Mrs. Bennett and Mary anymore. So he's like, let me go into my library and channel Lizzie mentally and see what she's doing. (laughs) Oh, she's that Lady Catherine's. What is this woman talking about? Let me mess with her. Which... So, um, just kind of going to, or going to, off of that point, something that happens at the very, very beginning of these chapters, when Lizzie is about to leave to go visit Charlotte, there's a little exchange between her and Mr. Bennett, where it's very clear that Mr. Bennett's like, shit, <laughs> I have to be left at the house with Mrs. Bennett and the younger, like the younger daughters, because Lizzie's going and Jane is gone. The fuck am I going to do? <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and write to Lizzie. I don't write letters, but Lizzie, I'm going to write to you. Please, for the love of God, write me back. (laughs) But yeah, no, I wrote the exact same thing. I'm like, oh, somebody's channeling Mr. Bennett. Yeah, for sure. That was funny. What was it? Oh, yeah. Lizzie is like, but really, ma'am, I think it would be very hard upon younger sisters or they should not have their share of society and amusement because the elder may not have the means or inclination to marry early. To which Lady Catherine says, you give your opinion very decidedly for so young a person. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, ooh, Lizzie's Mr. Bennett is showing. Yeah, for sure. And then we find out that Lizzie is 21? She's not 21. She's 20. Okay, says, okay, I okay. am not yet 21, which implies that I am she's not 20. 20 and I am not one in 20. That's it. Yeah, which I was confused. I'm like, wait, is she saying not as like a, like being sarcastic? No. And she is 21? She's 20. She's okay. 20. Okay. Yeah, that's like a 
fancy Regency way of saying your age without saying your age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because even she says, my youngest is not yet 16. Well, because she's 15. Mm-hmm. So, like, they would they would know what she meant. Well, and also, when Lady Catherine just asks her how old she is, she's just like, with three younger sisters grown up, your ladyship can hardly expect me to own it. <laughs> she's like, come on, you can't be over 20. Just tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But I just want to say that, like, not only was like Lady Catherine bombarding Lizzie with all of these questions, but two things jumped out at me. And it's one of them is definitely like confirmed later. But one is that it's interesting how Lady Catherine acts and how Mr. Collins acts. Because mm-hmm. it's very similar. Yeah. They both are pompous. They both talk about themselves in great deal. They like to get a lot of information. They like to just continually speak. And praise things or judge things. And while Mr. Collins, this has probably been the quietest he's ever been because Lady Catherine is talking over him. Yeah. I wonder what Mr. Collins was like before he started working for Lady Catherine. Like, I'm sure he was still a pompous fuck. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if it's only been exacerbated. Maybe. Yeah. But then the other thing is... Lady Catherine is clearly very bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a rich woman. She's got nothing else to do. Her daughter is sickly. Yeah. Mrs. Jenkinson seems to just be like, I don't know. I pictured her as just like this old crone who's just like hovering over the sick child. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and I'm sure, I mean, don't get me wrong. Based on the description, yes, Lady Anne is very sickly. There, There's mm-hmm. some serious stuff wrong with her physically. And even with her just general constitution. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if like the treatment she gets from Mrs. Jenkinson and her mother enables that and makes it worse Mm -hmm. than what it maybe could have been. Mm -hmm. Well, like there's all this talk of Lady Catherine being like, oh, yeah, my daughter could totally play the piano if she wasn't so ill. And it's like, what is making her ill enough to not learn how to play the piano? Also, did you like give her a chance to try? I I don't know. I don't know either. She can sit. She can play cards. Yeah, she can play cards. She can go on these like, like sleigh rides or whatever that is. Like not sleigh, carriage rides across mm-hmm. uh, around the the yard in the spring when it's chilly. Which I thought was odd. If she's sickly, why is she out and about? Yeah, she sits for these dinners. How, why could she not play piano? Like, can she not read? Can she not see well? Uh, like, I don't understand. Yeah, we don't ever get the full list of her ailments, so we don't. Mm-hmm know the severity except from what is reported to us by Lady Catherine, Miss Jenkins, Mr. Collins, and then what Lizzie herself sees. Which is really just like a frailty to her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not like she's sitting there coughing or anything like that. Right. She has a low or poor appetite and she looks sickly. Mm-hmm. That's it. So she could just be malnourished. Maybe. For all we know. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so... Let's talk about our little love triangle that we go we got going on here. Well, before we get into oh. that, well, I mean, we're going to get into that, but you want to talk about the love triangle. I would like to talk about the name triangle. All right. So we have Lizzie, mm-hmm. we have Colonel Fitzwilliams, mm-hmm. and then we have Fitzwilliam Darcy. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like, come on, Austin, could you have just gotten us some names? Because like... It's like Darcy's first name is his mother's maiden name, essentially. Right? Because Fitzwilliam, isn't that the mother's maiden name? Oh, I don't know. That would make sense. Yeah. Is Colonel Fitzwilliam a cousin on the mother's side? In all honesty, I don't know. I didn't, I don't, I don't recall reading that, but that would make sense. But I just think it's, 
I don't even know if we've really been told too often that Darcy's first name is Fitzwilliam. Like it's mentioned earlier in the se- section we were reading. Mm-hmm. And then I think once during the Wickham explanation of what happened. Yep. But just the fact that like you read that and then all of a sudden there's Colonel Fitzwilliam yep. and then Mr. Darcy. And it's just very confusing. Yeah. And from a writer standpoint, I feel like that was a bad choice. <laughs> On Austin's part. And I just feel like I need to throw that out there. But I think in that time, a lot of family names were connected and passed on and shared. And so that's, you know, that's that was common then. Right, but you're writing a book. People back then would have gotten it way better than what we are. <laughs> they would have figured, they would have been like, oh, this unwritten thing. Yeah, we know. We get it. Because yeah. we don't need explanation because we're in the know because we are living in this time. Not, not even that. It's just like, oh, this is... Fitzwilliam talking to like Mr. Fitzwilliam talking to Fitzwilliam Darcy and it's just very confusing Yeah, and that's why in modern times we have podcasts like this to explain it (laughs) but anyway so these people in a name triangle are now also in a love triangle yes so we'll do Lizzie and Fitz first which Fitz I know is sometimes a nickname given to Mr. Darcy but I'm giving Colonel Fitzwilliam the Fitz nickname because his name is we just know him as Colonel Fitzwilliam. So he yeah. gets Fitz. Also, Mr. Darcy's nickname is Mr. Darcy. Yeah, like. or just Darcy. <laughs> but I do know of some people who call him Fitz. Yeah, well, those people are not us. They're not us. You guys do it. Do you guys do you. That's cool. But we're going to call Colonel Fitzwilliam Fitz. So just so you know. Yeah. All right. So we got Lizzie and Fitz first. Let's talk about them. Yes. So Fitz is handsome he's nice he is welcoming he seems excited to meet the collinses and lizzie and it's kind of a breath of fresh air especially compared to lady catherine Mm -hmm. and of course mr darcy Mm -hmm. so lizzie's like really into that she likes she, she wants to get to know him a little bit more because he seems to be an interesting person yep we also know he's the youngest son in his family so he doesn't have himself A ton of money, but he's comfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. he still has all of the privilege that his family and rank in society will give him, which is far and away more than anyone else, essentially, Mm -hmm. of a lower rank or class. Yeah, and while he does, quote unquote, depend on Darcy for certain things, because Darcy does have more money, he kind of complains a little bit about it. And then Lizzie's, Lizzie's just like, you have nothing to complain about. Exactly. She's like... Check yourself. Yeah, yeah. Check that privilege at the door. Yeah. Oh, high society, first world problems. Um, I don't have enough money. Um, right. But uh, he he actually, in an unprideful way, is like, yeah, no, you're right. I, I get it. Which is definitely not something Mr. Darcy would have done. Yeah. He actually, like, acknowledges it when she calls him out. And I was like, oh, my God, look at you. You're a self-actualized young man. <laughs> Yeah, which is another reason why it's, like, very clear that Lizzie is kind of, like, developing a little crush on him. Yeah. Like, aww. It's kind of cute. Yeah. Like, Even though he's not he flirts handsome. with her. <laughs> no, isn't he handsome? He's not handsome. He's described as not handsome, but nice. Oh, I thought he was handsome. He's not. But you know what? Who cares? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But beauty in this realm also definitely means he's trustworthy, though, if you remember. That's true. Lizzie, you need to rethink your priorities, my friend. It's not just Lizzie. We have this conversation. <laughs> I know. But in this instance, Lizzie. Yeah. Hmm. 
So yeah, so her and Fitz, they like spend a ton of time talking to each other at Rosings to the point where Darcy is like side-eyeing them and is a little bit jealous. What? How is he captivating her? And even Lady Catherine notices it and she's like, what are you guys talking about? And Fitz is like, uh, music? (laughs) And then that gets them (laughs) on the whole thing where, nope, now Lizzie's gonna play. And now Lady Catherine is going to like talk down Lizzie's playing because, you know, she should have had a master and she should be practicing more because then she would be better because Lady Catherine knows everything there is to know about music and nobody likes music more than Lady Catherine. And not just that, but so many young women have benefited from Lady Catherine telling them that they need masters. Exactly. And that they need governesses. And how dare Lizzie think that she'd be good at something if she hasn't had any of those things. Because Lady Catherine wasn't there to give her a recommendation. But here's a list of all of these girls who have received my recommendations and have benefited from them and have told me how amazing it is that they have that they've benefited from it. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, even when she's doing that, Fitz and Darcy just kind of like, oh, it's all right. Keep playing, Lizzie. We like it. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Because she's she's not bad at it. She's not bad at it. No. No. And she's even like, like, if I were scared of the fact that other women are better at piano than me, then I wouldn't play. Yeah. Like, that's not something that scares me, mm-hmm. you know. And also that she makes the point that you know, in situations where there is the potential that someone in the room would be better than her, she's not going to let that intimidate her. In fact, mm-hmm. that is going to spur her on to continue and to prove herself. Yeah, which that's specifically what she says. But what makes that conversation interesting is that while she says that I'm not going to be intimidated, she's actually not talking about the piano. <laughs> right. She's actually talking about... The fact that Mr. Darcy has come over to, quote unquote, intimidate her. And that's when the flirting starts. Yes. But now see, so this is where it's interesting because after dinner and, you know, Lizzie is going over to play the piano. Lady Catherine is talking to Mr. Darcy. But Fitz is over there next to the piano talking to Lizzie and like being like, oh, hey, play this. Hey, play this. And they're kind of flirting a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Lizzie's like, oh, well, you know. I finished this song, Fitz, what do you want to hear next? And then Mr. Darcy, who was watching them across the room, was kind of like, oh, I'm done talking to Lady Catherine because, you know, we're all going to be eventually done talking to Lady Catherine because we don't want to hear her talk anymore. So he goes over. So all three of them are all hanging out around the piano while Lizzie's playing. And Lizzie almost immediately turns her attention from Fitz to Darcy. Yeah. Which I don't think she did intentionally. I don't think she consciously did that intentionally. Right. Right. But then there is very clear flirting. Like, this is probably the best flirting Darcy has ever done yeah. his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's smiling. He's joking. He's very, like, comfortable talking to her, which we didn't see at Netherfield. Mm-mm. And I think it's because he was less familiar with Lizzie. And I think it was also because Miss Bingley was there and there was that weird pressure. But now that he's in a room with a bunch of people he's familiar with, or at the very least, he's in a room with his cousin and his aunt. And like, he's very comfortable around them. He's in a in a position that, or he's in a house that he's familiar with. Very much like a home feeling for him. He's much more comfortable speaking to Lizzie. And yeah. he, he knows Lizzie better. And like, they had that whole thing at the dance, at the ball and stuff like that. So like, it's, he's definitely more comfortable and he's definitely less likely to shove his foot in his mouth. Right. (laughs) And 
this exchange, I feel like, helps Darcy call on her at Mr. Collins' house because he does yes. that. And he does come in and he's like, oh, I was told all the ladies of the house were in here when it was just Lizzie by herself. But I mean, really, he was there to see Lizzie. Oh, yeah. No, there was no reason for him to go there other than to see Lizzie. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, like, he was expecting to be in a room with a bunch of other people. Yes. And it's interesting because this isn't the only time he's gone to call on the, on, on the Collinses. Yeah. The first time he goes, it's just Lizzie. And they have another conversation where they are very clearly flirting. Yeah, but it's also weird. It's a weird conversation. Well, I just, but let's get into the details of that. But before, I do want to say that he does, like, over the course of the next few weeks, come back. Both him and Fitz, sometimes Fitz alone, sometimes him alone. And what's interesting, though, is that when there are other people there, and it's not just him and Lizzie, he's quiet and doesn't make any conversation or anything like that. Because I think, again, he's uncomfortable because he there's a bunch of people there he doesn't know. He's not in a, in, in a house he's familiar with. But when it's just him and Lizzie... He's still slightly uncomfortable, but more comfortable than he would have been otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So when he first comes, you know, they're just exchanging pleasantries. How are things at Rosings? How are things here? Blah, blah, blah. And then she's worried that they're going to exhaust their conversation in essentially 30 seconds. And so Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, let me just go ahead and poke the bear a little bit. Um, hey, why did you leave Netherfield so quick? Because Bingley was supposed to come back, but literally you guys left the day after he left how are they he's like they're great and then that's it (laughs) Lizzie's like okay any more details like come on guy and then she's like so Mr. Bingley isn't going back to Netherfield and he's like I don't know I haven't heard him say that but I mean it seems like he's not and he knows why he's not Darcy knows (laughs) like why are you being this way (laughs) Probably because I mean I know why, I, but I well I also I want to talk about some, about this later. Okay. So Darcy knows why, mm-hmm. and yet he keeps interacting with Lizzie. Yeah, he has no idea that what he has done is gonna piss her off. Well, should do we want to just talk about what he did real quick? Yeah, let, let's jump to that. So at the very end. Fitz is talking to Lizzie and Fitz is like, oh, on the way here, Darcy was telling me about this friend that he helped save. And he's proud of the fact that he saved his friend. Now, Fitz doesn't know that it's Bingley. Right. Um, and he, he definitely doesn't know that it's Jane. And he certainly doesn't know that Lizzie is Jane's sister. Right. And what he saved, what he says that Darcy saved him from is a bad marriage connection, essentially. So, yeah. So... Fitz is like, oh, yeah, he's very proud of the fact that he saved his friend. And Lizzie's like poking the bear, like, oh, who was it? What's going on? And he's like, well, I don't want I don't want the word to go or to to reach the, the, the lady's family. Lizzie's like, I won't tell anybody, even though he is uh, well, telling the is lady's the family. family. <laughs> yeah. So Fitz goes on to say he uh, what he told me was merely this, that he congratulated himself on having lately saved a friend from the inconveniences of a most imprudent marriage. But he didn't mention any names or any other particulars. And Lizzie's like, oh, snap. Yeah. But Fitz says that he suspects it to be Bingley just because, you know, he was with them all summer and they're really close friends. Mm -hmm. So Lizzie then goes on after she 
um, talks with Fitz, which I do want to talk more about their conversation specifically later, but we're on this topic now. But um, so Lizzie then puts it all together and thinks, so Darcy is the reason why Bingley no longer goes to Netherfield and wants nothing to do with Jane because he feels that Bingley marrying Jane would be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And Lizzie doesn't know specifically why Darcy feels that way. She suspects that it might be because Darcy wants Bingley to marry his sister. Yes. But it could also be a number of other things. Right. And she goes through the list of things. It could be her uncle. Like she says, uh, her having one uncle who was a country attorney and another who was in business in London might be one of the reasons why Jane is unsuitable for Bingley. Mm -hmm. Then there was, of course, like Mr. and Mrs. Bennet. And while she doesn't think that Mr. Bennet is the reason why, she she slightly thinks, oh, maybe it was my mom. Maybe my mom did something to offend him. But he shouldn't think that a good enough reason. And I'm like, uh, do you not remember that conversation right. at the ball where Mrs. Bennett was pretty much just like, oh, yeah, Jane is marrying somebody rich and it's going to be great. And then the rest of my daughters can marry rich, which, hello, huge red flag, Lizzie. You should remember that. Like, that's a big thing maybe you should remember that because that's probably the reason why mm -hmm. like while we don't have that confirmed that is probably the reason why <laughs> we're literally telling you that's the reason why <laughs> that's the reason why, that's the reason why. <laughs> and this goes now that's perfect i'm glad you said that because this goes back to my point about miss bingley earlier is i'm sure darcy probably shared this and she probably overheard this and that's why miss bingley is one of the reasons why she's being so cold to Jane is, mm -hmm. oh, Jane only wanted my brother for his money. Because before, even when she didn't think that, you know, Jane was good enough, she was still going to be friends with her. Yeah. But it went from, like, niceties to, mm, -mm very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... and even if it wasn't like Darcy talking to Miss Bingley being like, look, I think that this is a bad idea. I think that, you know, Jane is only after your brother's money. Like if you recall back and if you just go back to the last episode when we were talking about it, or if you, or in our case, if you want to just go back to the, to the previous reading, Mrs. Bennett was not hiding this at the ball at, at dinner. She was very loud. And even Lizzie was just like, oh my God, mom, shut up. It's very clear that multiple people at this dinner heard Miss Bennett talk about how she's happy that Jane is with Bingley because because Bingley has money and that means that her other daughters will have money. And while we know Jane and Bingley like love each other, other people aren't going to hear it that way. Right. <laughs> so I totally understand why Darcy would be like, this is a bad idea. Like, don't do this. Now, I would hope that Darcy would see that Bingley and Jane love each other and just be like, okay, they're good for each other. Maybe we should just be cautious of the rest of the family. But at the same time, he's an awkward man. So maybe he doesn't quite see it that way. Maybe he just sees Bingley's affection to Jane and doesn't read Jane as well, because we know most people don't read Jane very well. Mm -hmm. Lizzie reads Jane well, and that's about it. So maybe he doesn't quite see it from Jane, but like, I, I don't blame Darcy as much as Lizzie does. Like Lizzie's just pissed. <laughs> Which I get, Liz, I get Lizzie being pissed. I think Mr. Darcy was poking his nose where it didn't belong, and maybe he should have got some more details before he did something so harsh as to 
discourage his friend from continuing to see a girl he clearly really liked. Okay, but let's talk about this in modern terms. So let's say your friend has a crush on this guy or is dating a guy who is a really shit person. And you as a friend, wouldn't you be like, hey, that's a really shit person. Maybe you shouldn't date them. Now, I realize in my past that I have a problem with literally saying that exact same thing to people and then people being like, well, I'm not your friend anymore. Leave me alone. <laughs> that has happened on multiple occasions. <laughs> so, okay. So I guess in that in that situation, I am the Darcy, but I still think that I was right, <laughs> especially when those two people break up. <laughs> right. I don't know. I just think more information could have been gotten on Darcy's side. I think he acted way too hastily, but that's how he is. He's the one who has to be in control, as Fitz explains to Lizzie. Like, he's not happy unless he's the one who has the power to do what he wants. Right. But also, if you think about it this way, and I'm going to defend Darcy a little bit more. So Bingley, while he has money, he doesn't have a lot of money. And he, from what I understand, because he doesn't have an estate like Pemberley, he's not really gaining a lot of money a year like Darcy is. Right now, yeah. Right. So he has a set amount of money. And if Darcy knows that Bingley has no desire to set up an estate, that means that Bingley is only working with a certain amount of money. Now, granted, it is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's enough money to where he can comfortably raise his family without having more money coming in and then s- still giving his kids enough money to set up an estate like Pemberley. Like, it's a lot of money. But if you're a friend who's looking at your best friend who has a set amount of money and the girl he likes, you over here, may only be into him because of his money and has four sisters who also want to be in a position of money and having a family that needs more money, would you not think, okay, I need to help protect my friend because we know that he's not very responsible. (laughs) I mean, he just up and bought Netherfield. So... The responsible friend is helping his not responsible friend not lose money on a family that wants to take advantage of him. Because if the Bennets did want to take advantage of him, Bingley could be out so much money by the end of it and it could ruin him because he's not a responsible person. So, I mean, like, yes, Darcy did or went about it the wrong way. Yes, he was trying to be controlling. But at the same time, I don't blame him. He's just looking out for his friend. I don't know. I see your argument. It's 100% valid and makes all of the sense. Mm-hmm. But I still fault Darcy for this. He he shouldn't he heard he overheard it from the girl's mother, not from the girl's lips herself. And that's my biggest fault. Is like you should probably check where you're getting your information. I know you don't know these people very well, but maybe because you don't know these people very well, maybe that should be like your whoa, hold on, let me just see how the daughter thinks let me see how jane thinks let me do some poking around there because even if this is his argument for saving bingley he is all over elizabeth and he is super rich and elizabeth's coming from the same family so you know what darcy you're fucking wrong you're wrong okay hang on hang on i that's what i wanted to come back to was that yes no it drives me insane that he's like like, so, okay. What? One sister isn't good enough for your friend, but but the other one's good enough for you? I know. 
But hang on a second. So yes, while he was being like really protective of his irresponsible friend, he is then in return or in response being extremely irresponsible because he's just like, I love Lizzie so much. I'm going to flirt with her, even though I totally made it. So then his, her sister can't marry my best friend, but I'm totally going to want to marry Lizzie. Like it doesn't make any sense in my brain. Like that's what I wanted to come back to is that he is very clearly flirting with Lizzie and he has absolutely no right to be. No. Okay. So now let's go back to where we started way at the beginning of this conversation when he's with Lizzie. Lizzie's like, why'd your your friend ghost my sister? And he's like, I don't know. Screw you, Darcy. You know. <laughs> yeah, like that. That is that is bullshit. That he did just flat out lie. Especially because we know what Darcy is about to do. But I still love him so much. <laughs> like, no, he is acting super shady, and not shady. He's not even acting shady. He's acting like an asshole. Like it's yeah. very clearly like he's in the wrong. But like, I don't know. Isn't there something that? And, and remember, we're reading this as a romance. We wouldn't want to have this in real I know, life. I know. I, I'm just saying. Yes, I know, like, I know. We got to like, separate ourselves. I know. Yes. Shipping fiction is very different than shipping something in real life. Correct. Just throwing that out there. A relationship in fiction cannot necessarily translate into a healthy thing in real life. Exactly. But So I'm going to go back to this. Isn't there something that's just like kind of super sweet and like adorable about the fact that he's just like, no, I must protect my friend, but I'm also really falling in love with this girl and I really can't help it. And it hurts. Like, it's kind of like, oh, no. Oh, come on. Oh, sorry, but no, I'm <laughs> mad at him in this point. I can't reconcile it right now. Ugh. Maybe later. You know what? Maybe later in the book I will, but right now at this point, I can't. I I am feeling the what Lizzie is feeling right now. I am with her 100%. Okay, but this is very much like a villain to lover situation because while obviously Darcy isn't quite a villain in the same sense right. that most villains are, he did something really bad that is very villainous, but he still has a crush on her. And it's going to be like so cute because it's like, you just want them to be together and it's a romance. And oh my God, do you like have not have a romantic bone in your body or something? No, I don't. <laughs> you know me. You know how long Then why are we reading these? <laughs> Because it's fun. I uh, really didn't believe that I was going to be the one that's all like, swoon. And you're going to be like, yeah, no, Okay, when we get asshole. to Sense and Sensibility, we'll flop for sure. <laughs> Probably. But right now, I'm like, no, 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 Darcy. No, no, no. Um, and then, you know, Lizzie kind of drops it. She, you know, she's clearly not getting a satisfactory answer from Darcy. So she's like, mm-hmm. all right, let's talk about Charlotte now. So they're talking about Charlotte and this is when uh, this is where that conversation about travel comes up mm-hmm. where um, Darcy's like, oh, yeah, she's not that far away from her family. And Lizzie's like, it's 50 miles, dude. That's far. And he's like, eh, not really. And she's like, yeah, OK, fine. It's not if you have money to travel, but they don't have money to travel. So like, whatever. And then Darcy starts like poking fun at her like, you cannot have a right to such a very strong local attachment. You cannot have always or have been always at Longbourn. Like. Which I'm wondering, because he does bring that up a lot, and he, he talks about the attachment she could have to Rosings, which Lizzie interprets as, oh, Fitz likes me. Mm-hmm. But really, it's Darcy. Darcy's, like, trying to feel her out to see if she would leave, essentially, her family and come all the way to Pemberley with him. 
Because that's, yeah, that's yeah. far from where she lives. Right. And Darcy does say, or he hints at something like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're going to keep coming here to visit, well, maybe you'll be staying at Rosings. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and she, again, interprets that as in like, oh, Fitz likes me. Okay, that makes sense, you know, because this is his family's house and stuff like that. Okay, cool. But really, it's just Darcy being like, yeah, no, I like you. Yeah. yeah no, I like you. And even this is like, yeah, no, I like you. Because at... Like when he, before he says that, he actually kind of scoots his chair closer to her. Yeah. And it's just like the best flirting he's done so far. And Lizzie's just not getting it because she's upset. But he's just like, yeah, no, like you'd be okay with like moving away from your family, right? Because like Pemberley is kind of far away, but y- you'd be okay with that. Yeah. And then Charlotte walks in. Yes. And he leaves. <laughs> and Charlotte. Well, no, he stays for well, a while. Yeah, but like basically. He stays for a while and leaves. he's really super quiet, yeah. which I wrote, oh, well, it's because he's uncomfortable now because there's other people in the room. And then he just gets <laughs> up and walks away pretty much without yeah. saying anything. <laughs> but. Uh huh. And then. And then Charlotte is like, oh, he must be in love with you or he would never have called on us in such a familiar way. I'm like, Charlotte, again, you win. You win yeah. everything. I love you, Charlotte. Like Charlotte's got it. I love you. Lizzie. Oh, 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 oh. So when Charlotte says, oh, he must be in love with you, Lizzie then explains to Charlotte about all of the silence that had been happening between her, her and Darcy, which there really wasn't that much. So Lizzie is an unreliable narrator to Charlotte. <laughs> Lizzie is. She is. She, she is an unreliable narrator because yep. she lets her ideas and perceptions about the world influence how she is seeing things. So yeah, which she's is exactly what happens here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she like Lizzie sees those silences as being longer and being awkward and being weird when really there really weren't that many there. Mm-hmm. Just like Lizzie refuses to see the fact that Mr. Darcy was full on flirting with her. Yep. <laughs> And even though Charlotte, like, kind of sees this, at some point she's like, you know what, I'm not going to push it on her because what mm-hmm. if there isn't an attachment there and I don't want to get her excited and then to have her heart broken. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, you know, after, like, Darcy comes over for these that little talk, he starts to kind of, like, pop up in all the places that Lizzie is. Like, when she's going on a walk, like, random places. She's not telling him where she's going, and she, like, changes up her route, as I said earlier, and he's just like... That's not true. She's on a walk, and she runs into him, and she tells him that this is her favorite haunt. Yeah, but then she does change it up, and he does... After that, it explains that she, like, kind of goes to other places. It changes up. But either way, like, my point is... She tells him, oh, hey, this is like where I like to walk, thinking that he'll avoid it. And then he keeps showing up and she's like, I don't get it. Like, why is he why is he showing up when I told him that I like being here? Like, he clearly shouldn't want to do this. And then he'll like walk back to the house with her. And she actually says that it's a voluntary penance because she's not getting that he wants to be with her and see her and spend time together on this walk. She thinks that it's a bad thing. It's something he should want to avoid. And the only reason why he is continuing to do it is to make up for something that he did. She's not getting that it's because he wants to be there. And it's really funny because it's like, you told him that this is where you like to be and he keeps showing up. Don't you think that that would mean that he knows? He knows. So if he didn't want to be around you, he wouldn't go there. But he's going there. Lizzie, you put it together. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Yeah. So now I see that now. I just read that wrong the first time. 
So I, I see that now. Yes, you're 100% right. But sh- they even talk about, because he brings up to her, her preference for solitary walks. Like, mm-hmm. get a clue. You know that she doesn't want to walk with you. Why do you keep doing it? But at the same time, she needs to get the clue, oh, he's doing this because he wants to spend time with me. Because, like, she's reading it as in, like, oh, my God, like, why did you come here? You know this is where I like to be. Why are you walking with me? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you torturing yourself by being in my presence? When it's not that. Like, sure, it might be torture for her, which I don't think it is as much. Like, I think it's just, like, an inconvenience because she also thinks that it's bad for him. Yeah. But I'm just like, Lizzie, put it together. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so yes. Yeah, so he joins her on her walks. You know, they come over. Fitz comes over. And then the big, big thing ha- that happens that we talked about before is that Fitz explains the the story about Darcy giving advice to a friend who it's assumed that it's Bingley. And then Lizzie puts those puzzle pieces together. Mm-hmm. And she is not happy. She is not happy. She's, she I'm not is happy either. Angry. She's just incredulous, you know. She's just incredulous about how somebody could be so horrible to someone as good as Jane. And, okay, so I will concede to the point that, as you've mentioned before, and what I do 100% agree with, is that Lizzie's the one who reads Jane the best. And Darcy doesn't. And mm. so I guess I can kind of see... That protection element, you know, he doesn't know Jane. I still fault him because maybe he should get to know her before he does interfere with people. But Lizzie knows how good Jane is. And so the pain of this is tenfold more for her. I agree with that. Like, Lizzie is very, very upset. She's very clear. upset to the point that she makes herself sick. She can't stop Mm -hmm. crying. She can't stop being agitated about it. She won't even go to Rosings because... Like, could you imagine being finding out this information and being that upset and then having to go and face the person who did it right after? She would blow up, I'm certain. Well, and on top of that, I'm certain that another reason why she doesn't want to go is because it's going to look like she's clearly upset. And so Fitz is going to be like, oh my gosh, why are you so upset? And then she's going to have to explain it all. Yeah. And she's going to have to be like, oh, Fitz, yeah, you know how you didn't want this to get back to the lady's family? I'm the lady's family. <laughs> Which, I mean, I think Lizzie, even before he said something, she could sense where this conversation was going. Mm-hmm. So, like, she was kind of oh, she misleading yeah. him, for sure, to yeah. get intel. But she definitely didn't want him to know because she probably didn't want to put him in that position where he would have to then explain to Darcy what happened. Yeah. I just want to say that I relate so much to why she wasn't able to go to Rosings. She, oh, yeah, me too. The agitation and tears which the subject occasioned, brought on a headache and it grew so much worse towards the evening. Like, I, I'm i just imagining how you feel after you've been crying with like your eyes puffy and hurting and your sinuses all clogged and like your head just hurts. And I'm just, I wouldn't want to fucking go anywhere. I probably wouldn't even want to be in the same house as Mr. Collins at that point, but you wouldn't have a choice. Exactly. But to go back to the initial love triangle, so we have Fitz and we have Lizzie. And while Fitz does tell Lizzie about this thing with Mr. Bingley, she's not upset with Fitz at all whatsoever. No. But what kind of puts an end to Lizzie's idea of possibly being with Fitz is that Fitz says that he is the youngest son mm-hmm. and he doesn't have any money. 
mm-hmm. and that will really hinder his ability to marry who he wants. Yes. Because of societal norms, the fact that he doesn't have a large income, blah, 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 blah. He's going to have to marry somebody who has money as well. And that means that it's not Lizzie. It can't be Lizzie. She doesn't have any money. So at the end of all of this, and it goes back to to affections lost and affections gained, Lizzie at the end has been turned down or lost affection by two different men within the same section of the book because of money. Yes. So it all comes back down to the fact that her family doesn't have any money, which is why she needs to be married off. But Wickham has removed his affections because Lizzie doesn't have any money. And Fitz, sadly, and it kind of breaks my heart because I think that her and Fitz would have been so cute together, mm-hmm. end up not being able to be together because he also needs to marry for money. Right. It's actually almost kind of like Lizzie and Fitz are kind of in the same boat. Yeah. And they have to marry off of a different boat. They can't be married in the same boat. <laughs> so I think, did we hit everybody? We did. We got through them Yay. all. Yeah. Okay, that was a big, a big section. So. Yes. But yeah, big, big crazy things are going to happen next. I mean, we say that every week, but that's because crazy things keep happening. Well, and also for those of you who've read the book and know what's coming next, like we specifically ended on chapter 30 or at the end of chapter 33, because chapter 34 is one of the big moments in the book. Mm-hmm. And we need a lot of time to talk about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check us out on social media. Download our podcast. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to give us five-star review if you like us. And yeah, that's it for us this week. We will uh, see you next week. Yes, for a big thing. Big, big, big. Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, El Camerer. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. We are hosted on Podbean, but you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at witbeyondmeasure.com, or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBMPodcast. I'm going to say that again. It's W-B-M podcast.